Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. In your book, The Oneness of God, you made made the statement. You said, from the Bible, we see that Jesus Christ had two distinct natures in a way that no other human being ever had. And then you you added this. You said, we can resolve most questions about the Godhead if we properly understand the dual nature of Jesus. What is the dual nature of Christ? And why is understanding this concept so important to a proper understanding of the Godhead? In making those statements, the main point is to say that Jesus is both God and human at the same time. He's both divine and human. Now, the word nature may have some philosophical ramifications, and so if you don't want to use that, that's fine. But basically what I'm saying, deity and humanity. And I believe this is the essential message of the Bible, and it's essential to understanding the oneness of God in Scripture. Uh, another term is used, incarnation. It's a Latin term simply meaning uh, manifest in the flesh. We do find this statement in John 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. And then verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. The Word, it literally says tabernacled in the flesh. So that the Word, which is God in self-expression, God, the one true God himself revealing himself. That's the word, became flesh, became human. Now, when we say flesh, we don't just mean body. Most of the time, flesh in Scripture means human identity. And, of course, for us, it's sinful human identity, but Jesus was born without sin, and he never sinned. So in his case, it was the kind of humanity uh, with which God originally created Adam and Eve, because Adam and Eve were created as truly human, but they were not sinful. They were innocent. They were capable of sin in their human life, but and they did sin, but they were not created with a sinful identity or sinful nature or a compulsion to sin. So Jesus comes, in, in a sense we might say he's more human than we are, in that we're fallen humans. We're marred, distorted humans, but he is original human. Uh, so it's a true human identity. Likewise, we find in 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. There are many statements of the deity of Christ. Another example is John 20, 28. Thomas confessed Jesus as my Lord and my God. He was a Jew who believed Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He knew there was only one Lord, one God, and he identified Jesus as the one Lord and one God. Yet Jesus was standing before him right there as a human being. So you can't escape the fact that he was also human. Another good example is the prophecy of Isaiah 9, 6, which says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Obviously human, a child, a son. But this child and son is more than that, because his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. So this child and son is also the mighty God, the everlasting father. So that's what I mean when we say Jesus had a twofold identity. Maybe that's the way I would phrase it if I was writing the book now. 
He had a twofold identity and has a twofold identity, both deity and humanity. We see this again in Colossians 2.9. For in him, which is Christ Jesus the Lord, in the context, in him dwells, present tense, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Bodily, a real human identity. Godhead, the true God, everything that makes God who he is. Unless you would think that 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 could be a portion of deity, it says the fullness. And unless you think that's still not definitive enough, it says all the fullness. So we have an unequivocal terms that Jesus is the one true God in all his fullness, yet revealed bodily or in flesh. Now, when I say, I mentioned a moment ago, flesh, body, don't think of it as just God in a body or God putting on a piece of flesh like I put on a coat. That's an inadequate explanation. It's God in human identity or God personified, God coming as a human person. Why do I say that? Well, what makes us human is more than just the body. If Jesus is going to be our kinsman redeemer, our substitute sacrifice, if he's going to take our place, if he's going to pay the punishment for our sins, he can't be just a body. He has to be a human. Now, not a sinful human, as I've already said, but a true human, nevertheless. Now, if you think of what makes us human, not only do you have a body, we have an inward person. Now, we could debate what does that inward person consist of and what kind of components, but just for the sake of discussion, the inward person is variously described in terms soul, spirit, mind, heart, will. Well, all those terms are used to Jesus and his humanity when he prayed in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will. There's a human will. My soul is sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. He's speaking of humanness in his soul. At the cross, he cried out, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. There's a difference. He's not talking about God's spirit. He's talking about human spirit. Now, I would hasten to add, we shouldn't think of two different spirits in Jesus because that would imply these two persons or he's you know, he's schizophrenic, or it might imply that he's no different than us. Because after all, we are human beings. We receive God's spirit at some point in our lives. God's spirit dwells in us. But there was a time in our life before we had God's spirit. And we could backslide, turn against God, reject his leadership. In that sense, we could live without God's spirit. So we have a separate human identity. Jesus did not have a separate human identity. The incarnation means humanity and deity were united in his spirit. So if you're going to speak of his spirit, I think you have to say he was both human and divine in spirit. And when his spirit left, that's when the body died and not before. So by saying that, that distinguishes Jesus from us. Jesus was not just a man who happened to have God's spirit living inside of him and he could live without God's spirit if he wanted to. But no, he was God by identity, by nature, in a way that we're not. We can say, I have God's spirit. We can't say, I'm God. Jesus could and did say, I and the Father one. Before Abraham was, I am. He made direct claims of deity. He was God manifest in the flesh. Now, we see this dichotomy. We can distinguish humanity and deity in him. We cannot separate the two in him. That's my point. But we can certainly distinguish it in the sense that as a human, he grew hungry. As God, he fed 5,000 miraculously. As a human, he grew thirsty. 
as God, he told the woman at the well, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. As a human, he was beaten, so he suffered. As God, he healed the sick. As a human, he died. As God, he raised himself from the dead. So in all these things, we see that he had a dual identity. He, he was both God and human at the same time. Now, sometimes we might say as oneness people, well, the son was the flesh and the father was the spirit. I think that's inadequate. The son is the total person, God as he is manifested in the flesh. But the term son always has, re always has reference to the incarnation. So we think of father, we're thinking of God and his transcendence. We think of son, that's God in the flesh. So there is a distinction, again, not a separation, not two persons, but the father-son language is essential to protect the true humanity of Jesus Christ, to show he was a real human being. Some people have questions about this. Well, well, did he speak as man one minute and speak as God one minute? Well, he spoke as a whole person. He acted as a whole person. He was the son of God. So no, you can't say that. But you can say, like when he cried out on the cross, I thirst. Well, God doesn't get thirsty. So it was because he was a human that he could say that. But it was Jesus who said that. I'm not, it wasn't the flesh saying that. <laughs> it was Jesus saying that, you know. And, and likewise, when, when he said, I forgive your sins, a, a, a mere human can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. So was it just the God part speaking? No, it was Jesus, the Son of God, the whole human being speaking. But he was able to do so because he was God. So we can distinguish these characteristics in him, and we can say his words and his actions represented this, but we can't separate them. So that's why I won't say, well, what was going on when Jesus prayed? Well, the flesh was praying to the spirit. Now, that's inadequate. One nature is playing, praying to another nature. That's inadequate. Can a nature pray? What is a nature? Can, a, can, a, can flesh, a piece of flesh pray? No, it was Jesus as a human, a real human like us. Now, if that surprises us, think of it this way. If he didn't pray, he wasn't a real human. You know, he had to be just like us in every way except for sin. Everything we say or do, he had to be able to say or do, except he never needed to repent or he never needed to receive the Holy Ghost. But every way we relate to God, speak to God, speak about God, Jesus had to do the same in order to be in our place. So the shocking thing would be if he didn't pray. Now, um, how do we describe that? And does that mean Jesus praying to himself? No, again, that's inadequate. That's trying to reduce Jesus to one-sidedness. The best way to say it is like the scripture says, Jesus, as a human, prayed to God. That's all you have to say. But as a oneness believer, we understand at the same time, the spirit of God was fully incarnated in him. You say, well, that's hard to understand. Well, that's because you're trying to understand the incarnation, which by definition is a mystery. Now, we know it's true, it's revealed, but the inner workings of how God could be a man at the same time, our human minds will never comprehend because it's outside of our experience. I mean, that, that baby, that uh, three-day-old baby in his mother's arms is God. That child running around in the yard is God. That teenager is God. That 30-year-old man dying on the cross is God. How, how do we understand what's going on in his head? We, we can't understand that. I would say his human mind grew and understood as much as was capable. So as a baby, I don't think he was staring up his mom saying, I'm God manifested in the flesh. He was a baby. Of course, the Spirit of God 
was all-knowing. But even as a 12-year-old, he did have an awareness of his identity. So you can see in, in that Luke says he did grow wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. He grew intellectually, socially, spiritually, physically. Uh, so and only in those terms can we describe the incarnation. But again, I go to 1 Timothy 3.16. Great is the mystery of godliness. It's a mystery. Not how many gods there are. There's only one. That's not a mystery. How many persons? That's not a mystery. God is not a plurality of persons. The Bible never even says that. But what is the mystery? How that God could be manifest in the flesh. And that same verse goes on to say, seen of angels. What do you mean seen of angels? Now, angels are spirit beings, so... I don't know how they relate to God in heaven. They, I don't think they need uh, light waves and retinas to, to see God. So I think see is metaphorical, how, however they relate to God. But there is something curious. Why would it say Jesus incarnate, he was seen of angels? The implication is something happened that never happened before. So I think the angels are saying, well, yeah, I know God, but wow, God is a human. Yeah. That's shocking. I actually seen physically of angels. And, and let me just close with this thought. Isn't it amazing? The infinite God of the universe loved us so much that in order to redeem us, he became one of us. Now, he never stopped being who he was, but somehow he became something he'd never been before. And he did it for us. And he's permanently identified himself with humans. Because in heaven, we're going to see Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh as the one sitting on the throne. God in the Lamb as one personal being, one face, one supreme name on one throne in, in Revelation 22, 3 through 4. Isn't that incredible? So God created the angels. Maybe he's created other universes. Maybe he's created other worlds. Maybe there are millions of other races over the millennia that he's created. Who knows? But yet God is eternally identified in human identity. We're going to see him in the face of Jesus Christ. To me, that's a profound statement of the love of God. So the fact that Jesus is both God and human at the same time, that is the miracle of the incarnation, which was for the miracle of atonement. And what it teaches us is the grace of God and the love of God for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.